Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the April 20th, Thursday reading of the Pikes Peak Courier. My name is Sophia. Today, we will be reading the following main articles. Colorado River Basin Sees Spectacular Snowpack, Buying Time for Big Decisions, written by Mary Shin. Woodland Park High School students named State Welding Champions, written by Pat Hill. Woodland Park School District Board Passes Resolution Opposing State's Mental Health Assessment of Students, written by Gerilyn Terzo, and following up with miscellaneous articles. Our first article is entitled, Colorado River Basin Sees Spectacular Snowpack, Buying Time for Big Decisions, written by Mary Shin. Heavy snowfall descended on Berthoud Pass in March, as Brian DeMoncus explained how scientists quantify the bountiful snowpack in some areas on the Colorado River Basin that could fend off federal emergency measures, at least for now. The work depends heavily on snow tell sites, which stands for snow telemetry scientific outposts in the wild, collecting key data points that pile up like the snowflakes and help tell a critical story each season, said Demoncus, a Colorado Snow Survey supervisor with the Natural Resources Conservation Service. After trekking to the snowtail site on skis amid snow-laden evergreens, Demoncus described the numerous sensors at work, including a scale weighing the snow, sound waves measuring snow depth, sensors taking the temperature of different layers of snow, and a gauge capturing all per- precipitation. While satellite imagery can provide some snowpack data, sorry, snowpack data, snowtail sites provide some of the highest quality numbers on how much water cities, farmers, and recreationists can expect in the spring and summer. It's key information collected across 900 snowtail sites in the West, where up to 80% of the water comes from mountain snowmelt, Demonka said. In some areas, western slope, has seen more than double the expected snow. An extreme example, Columbine Pass, west of Montrose, has seen 288% of expected snowpack, a snowtail shows. It is part of a basin in the southwest corner of the state that has seen 181% of normal snowpack, the highest across the state. The Gunnison River Basin is the second highest with 161% of expected snowpack, NRCS numbers show. The Arkansas River Basin is the only one that has not reached 100% of normal snowpack as of early April. 
while about 20 of the 115 snowtails across Colorado were in record-setting territory, Demonkis said it is not an extreme year for the state. We have been in a drier period for the greater part of a decade, and arguably longer than that, he said. So when we get these above-normal years in our mind's eye, they definitely seem big. From across the Colorado Basin, 10 million to 11 million acre-feet of runoff is predicted to flow into Lake Powell, helping to restore the lake that has dropped to historically low levels in recent years, said John Bergren, Senior Regional Water Policy Analyst with the Western Resource Advocates. It buys us months, maybe a year, Bergren said, of the anticipated heavy flows. It helps stave off the worst. Emergency releases not anticipated. Critically low levels at Lake Powell and Lake Mead could threaten hydropower production at the dams and have been at the center of a national national discussion about the need to make major cuts to water use along the river after more than two decades of drought. Not even several years of snowpack like this season could get the Colorado River out of the challenges it is facing, Berggren said. It could take up to eight years of above-average snowpack to restore the system, and it is more likely this year is just a helpful bump of snow in a long-term trend of aridification, he said. For example, a similar year in 2011 brought Lake Powell 16 million acre-feet of water, he said, a major boost to a reservoir with a capacity of about 25 million acre-feet. Storage was at 5.3 million acre-feet Friday, according to Bureau and Reclamation data. With snow on its side for now, the Bureau of Reclamation is not expected to take emergency actions, such as releasing water from the Colorado reservoirs to boost Lake Powell. But the agency's analyst anticipated in coming weeks likely will repeat the call to reduce water use on the river, Bergren said. The Bureau is also expected to soon announce how much water will be released from Powell this year. With higher-than-expected inflows, the Bureau is facing pressure to return to earlier operating guidelines and release up to 9 million acre-feet of water for the Lower Basin states said Ken Curtis, the general manager for the Dolores Water Conservancy District in southwest Colorado. The release from Powell during the 2022 water year was only 7 MAF by comparison. They're going to be put under pressure. Do you save some of this extra bounty, or do you just use it and put yourself back into the same problem next year, he said, describing the agency's predicament. Last year, the Bureau asked the seven Colorado River Basin states 
to find a way to cut 2 million to 4 million acre feet of water from their use. Since then, six of the states, Colorado, New Mexico, Nevada, Arizona, Utah, and Wyoming, submitted a plan that would require California to take large cuts. Arizona and Nevada could also see cuts, while other states would continue to make cuts based on drought conditions to ensure that enough water is sent downstream to meet their legal obligations. California's proposal requires Nevada and Arizona to take the major cuts. Colorado River Water Across the basin, Snowtail data provides similar critical information by helping to build streamflow projections so that reservoir operators can manage lake levels. This year, Colorado's largest reservoirs, including Blue Mesa, are expected to recover, said Becky Bollinger, the assistant state climatologist. In recent years, dry soils have soaked up runoff from fairly strong snowpack, but that is not expected to be as much of a problem this spring and will help ensure more water makes it to lakes and reservoirs, she said. Everything that feeds into the Colorado River Basin basically is going to get a huge boost, Bollinger said, describing conditions as spectacular. The next article is entitled, Woodland Park High School Students Named State Welding's Champions, written by Pat Hill. The Woodland Park High School welding team won the Skills USA state competition in Pueblo this month. Declared state champions, Jared Freed beat the competition in technical welding, while Jacob Brooks, Braden Salem, and Cameron Spann scored the highest for welding fabrication. In addition, Alexis Gallagher took third place in welding sculpture. The competition tests the skills of the students who work as a team. Expecting the event to be stressful, with no advanced heads up, the champs were ready. We knew we had to build a steel table, but had no idea how big, Brooks said. We had a set of blueprints, and that was it. The team accomplished the task in just under six hours, with 15 minutes to spare. The win catapults the team into the national championships in Atlanta in June. Gallagher was honored for her sculpture, a steel bouquet of flowers. We had to build everything in the shop, make a notebook of what we had to do, she said. We had a letter of certification showing that we made it rather than buying it. For Gallagher, welding is her ticket to travel and training. Continuing her education in welding at Pikes Peak State College, Gallagher plans to go places with her welding as her financial vehicle. I want to be a journeyman so I can travel around the world, she said. That's my goal. A young woman in a field that generally attracts men 
Gallagher acknowledges feeling a bit intimidated during the regional competition, but was more relaxed this time around. The student's instructor, instructor is Gary Adamson, who has taught welding at the high school since 1997. The award is exciting, overwhelming, he said. The students took the competition seriously and applied themselves. Adamson compares the competition to a job interview where the students can show a resume with experience as well as the ability to work in teams. The competition is about time management, he said, adding that all the competitors finished their projects. Most people go right down to the wire. The next article is entitled, Woodland Park School District Board Passes Resolution, Opposing State's Mental Health Assessment of Students, written by Gerilyn Terzo. The Woodland Park School District will not be participating in a mental health assessment program spearheaded by the state's Department of Public Health and Environment. The Woodland, the Woodland Park School District Board of Education at the April 12 meeting passed a resolution to oppose a Colorado bill that introduces mental health assessments for grades 6 through 12. They believe that House Bill 23-1003, introduced by the Colorado Legislative session in early 2023, overextends its reach. Some residents oppose the decision. HB 231003, in its latest form, has replaced mentions of assessment with screening, a process that would involve a questionnaire distributed to students to identify signs of mental health concerns. Those results would later be reviewed by a subject matter expert, according to the bill. However, the Woodland Park School District wants no part of it, stating that the bill seeks to usurp parental guardian authority of their minor children by interposing the state as a surrogate decision maker. At the meeting, Woodland Park School District President David Rusterholtz emphasize the importance of parents being the ones in charge of their child's mental health. He also recognized teachers and the administration for their role in students' lives. We partner with the parents to help them and stand behind the teachers to help them with that, said Rusterholtz. The resolution is important, he added, to block big government from taking charge of the mental health of the city's children. Woodland Park School District Vice President David Illingworth II agreed, noting the importance of a constitutional body to adopt resolutions of this type to help weigh into the legislature as they consider bills of this sort. It is important for them to hear from local officials as well as parents. Several community members spoke out in defense of the House bill, sharing personal stories. In a unanimous vote, Director Mick Bates, Vice President Illingworth, Director Suzanne Patterson, 
and President Rusterholtz voted to approve the resolution to oppose the mental health assessment bill. Director Casey Kimbrell was absent from the meeting. The next article is entitled Funky at the Butte presents The Kitchen Witches, written by Pat Hill. The plot thickens in the play, The Kitchen Witches, when two cooking shows led by female chefs are canceled, one before the other. Turns out the two women chefs have a 30-year grudge against each other. Presented by Funky Little Theater Company at the Butte Theater in Cripple Creek, The Kitchen Witches turns the mutual dislike into a hit replacement show. The drama takes off when the first chef, Isabel Lomax, appears on scene during the final taping of the second show. She disrupts the filming, said Mike Green, who plays Stephen Biddle, the cameraman. But Stephen gets a call from the stage manager's wife, who sees the show and loves the chaos. The disruption, the arguing between Lomax and Dolly Biddle, she says, is the perfect theme for a new show, which is a battle, sorry, which is at battle in the kitchen. Now we have a show with the two of them, Green said. A cross between Martha Stewart and Jerry Springer, the new show depends upon the mutual antagonism. They are supposed to hate each other on stage, Green says. So they have contained, oh, they have a contained food fight. As Stephen tries to break up the trouble on stage, the women go at it live. For Stephen, controlling his mother, Dolly, is a no-go. In her 16th performance for the Butte Theater, Dharma Kimball is Dolly. But there are tender sweet moments, said, ha mm, said Susan Hollis, who plays Lomax. There are some twists and one major twist. Chris Medina, founder of Funky Little Theater, directs The Kitchen Witches, which is sponsored by Friends of the Butte, a nonprofit organization and the Butte Theater, whose manager is Zach Zanyo. Performances are at 7 p.m. April 28th, at 1 and 7 p.m. April 29th, and 1 p.m. April 30, at 7 p.m. May 4 and 5, and at 1 p.m. and 7 p.m. May 6 and 7. The ALS inclusion is at 1 p.m. May 6. Tickets are $15 and available at funkylittletheater.org and buttetheater.com. Our next article is entitled Meet Your New Colorado Parks and Wildlife Officer, Tyson Florsham, Wild About Teller, written by Tyson Florsham. Hello, Teller County. The Wild About Teller monthly column is back, but you likely don't recognize the mugshot attached to this month's column. Let me introduce myself. My name is Tyson Florsham, and I'm Colorado Parks and Wildlife's new wildlife officer for the Cripple Creek District. 
Long-time Wild About Teller readers are probably scratching their heads now, wondering, what's this Cripple Creek district I just mentioned? In the past, a single CPW officer patrolled all of Teller County. Well, due to the growing demands of managing wildlife in Teller County and the complexity of the region, CPW is adding a second wildlife officer and dividing the county in half. The Cripple Creek District boundaries essentially cover everything south of U.S. Highway 24, including Pikes Peak, Green Mountain Falls, Chipta Park, and Cascade. The new Woodland Park District to the north will be bringing another new CPW face to the county, but you'll have to watch this space in the future months to learn who will be joining me in the city above the clouds. As for me, I'm incredibly excited to be back in the Pikes Peak region as a member, member of the CPW staff here. I lived in Colorado Springs from 2011 to 2017, doing much of my exploring, hunting, and camping in Teller County before life took me to northern Colorado for a few years. I'm doubtably excited to be part of a smaller, more tight-knit community that exists in Teller County. I grew up in a small town in northern New Mexico, so I appreciate the opportunities to build deeper relationships personally and professionally that small town life provides. While I hope to get to know the people of Teller County in coming months, I already know quite a bit about the wildlife in the area, and it is nothing short of fantastic. What an incredibly diverse collection we enjoy. Bighorn sheep, elk, moose, deer, mountain lions, and of course black bears. I look forward to sharing stories about each of them doing some educational programs at schools and civic meetings, and in this space in the coming months. Speaking of bears, we are starting to get our first reports of bears waking up in the region. As I'm sure many of you are aware, bears generally try to avoid people. That's how we prefer it. However, when things like wildfires burn the grasses and forbs they depend on, or late frosts destroy their nuts, berries, and other natural food sources, bears turn up in our backyards or garages looking for food. In fact, the current lack of moisture in the area has led me slightly concerned. There's still a chance for late snow to provide what they need in the forests, but we need to be prepared and there are a few things you can do to help us alleviate any potential conflict. Secure your trash. Keep it locked up until trash day. Secure any bird feeders. If you want to attract birds, do it naturally with bird baths and flowers. Remove any attractants from around your home. Remember, a bear's strongest sense is smell. They can smell food for miles and they will remember a good meal for years. 
returning over and over to the same garage or trash can where they scored human food or garbage. Secure your home. Keep ground-level doors and windows closed and locked. Do the same with your vehicles. Bears are smart enough to open a car door when they smell something enticing inside and don't leave tasty-smelling items in your car, including food, candy, empty food wrappers, scented air fresheners, and more. Remember, Colorado has an estimated 17,000 to 20,000 bears, and we are lucky to have a healthy population in our area. We all need to do our part to be bear aware and reduce conflict. As always, please report any sightings or conflict to CPW. Have a wildlife-related question, problem, or column idea? Please feel free to contact me at 719-227-5281. I look forward to seeing you out and about in Teller County. Thank you for joining us for the Pikes Peak Courier. My name is Sophia. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.